Hallelujah. So are, are you here to fight? Is that what you came for? You've come to the right place. <laughs> Greet one another for just a quick moment while the young people evacuate the premises. And we will get into our first passage of Scripture here in just one second. All right, you crazy fighting saints. Let's do a little reading in the Bible. We're going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 15. And it says, he died. It's talking about Jesus here. He died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, in other words, since he did this, this is what ought to take place. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Hallelujah. Now tonight, I'm starting a new series. Okay. It's about identity. Do you know who you are? That's the question we are asking. Identity is important. You need to know who you are in Christ, and you need to know that God is your Father. If you have those things in your soul, in your spirit, you will live a life of victory and a life of success. If you don't understand that, you are going to continue to struggle. You won't even know how to get to your destiny if you don't know who you truly are and you don't know who your Father is. So let's talk about that tonight, but first let's pray. Father, thank you for the night that you have given us, a night where we can come together, where fellowship is, is free among the saints, where we can have just the joy of the Lord in our hearts as we praise and worship you and now sit at your feet to hear your word. Lord, help us to understand clearly this message tonight. Help me to preach it with boldness and faith, and Lord God, let your spirit do the work that only it can do in our hearts. And I pray in Jesus' name that we will see the victory that is intended in this message. Amen. Amen. So we've got our scripture, verse uh, 516. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, Yet now we know him thus no longer. Notice it says, we will no longer regard you, that is to, to know you or identify you based on your flesh. You know, in our world today, we identify people based on their gender, based on their race, based on their age. In fact, nearly all identification has to do with the flesh. That may not always be bad, but Paul says, I no longer am going to know you or identify you based on your flesh. Galatians 3, 26 
says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. If you've come to know Jesus Christ, you are his child. You can choose to become his son. You can choose to become his daughter by faith. So what's your name? And who's your daddy? We are in the family, the family of God, and praise God for it. Galatians 3, verses 27 and 28, it says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, therefore uh, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Let me, let me continue on. There is neither American or Mexican. There is neither African or European. There is neither Asian or Indian. There is neither Swede nor Norwegian. There is neither Floridian or Wisconsinite. Whatever you've used to identify yourself based on the flesh, you know, your nationality, your place of origin, in Christ, it's irrelevant. In Christ, it's irrelevant. Again, verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. All of the fleshly tags are irrelevant now. Because we're all in Christ. And then the last line, 29. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed. And heirs according to the promise. Now as a pastor, I'm always thinking of how I can help people get to, to where God wants them to be. I mean, that is our goal. How do I lead people into God's perfect plan for their lives? Well, the first step is getting us to where God wants us to be by knowing who we really are. Yeah, but... Don't we already know who we are? I mean, I'm Billy Pevlor, son of Billy Pevlor, senior. You know, he married Louise Hackett. And, and then, poof, I was born in, you know, Jacksonville Memorial Hospital in Dade County, Florida. And I, and I, and I grew up there for so much of my life. You know, you, you can look at my driver's license and it'll tell you a lot about me. Don't we know who we are? The problem is, most of what we know about ourselves, again, is based on the flesh. All of that that I just mentioned is just based on the flesh. Most of how we see ourselves and how we identify ourselves is based on our flesh. You know, the last name that we have, our, our family history, where we come from, what we have gleaned from our past experience it's all in the flesh to that we add some current realities we we add our education we talk about our marital status you know we we talk about what we do for a living our occupation that's how we know one another and still again it is all in the flesh god wants us to know who we really are and then we can find our purpose and his perfect plan for us when you came into this relationship with Christ, you were given a new identification. You were given a new identification. But I wonder how many of us have kept our identification card from the past just kind of in our back pocket 
for future reference. We know we're Christians. We know we're going to heaven. But when it comes to our relationships and overcoming habits and breaking through limitations and going to that place that God has for us, the place that God has called us to, to our destiny, we still have a tendency to more closely identify ourselves by the flesh. We see ourselves from the world's perspective. I tell you, our identity is important. What is your name? Who is your daddy? It's important, even more so these days. I was thinking about this, and I wonder, how many of us can remember a time when you could get on an airplane flight without even having an ID? You could go to the airport as long as you had your ticket in hand. They'd just whisk you on through and get you seated, and off you went. Well, that, that day is gone. Now, because of increased security and anxiety over terrorism, the rules have changed, and you better have your ID out when you want to board that plane. Without proper ID, you can't go where you want to go. I don't know, I'm going to say that again. Now, you think about this in the spiritual sense. Without the proper ID, you can't go where you want to go. See, I believe a lot of believers are trying to get the, the new life in Christ get to where they're supposed to be in Jesus, but they aren't employing the proper ID. It's like being at the terminal with your library card. You're not going to get very far. You've got to have the proper ID if you're going to go anywhere. So you may be standing at the gate. You may be waiting to get on the, the flight to the next level of your life, but without the proper ID... You're not going to get there. If you're trying to take your marriage to the next level without the right identification, you are not really going to get there. Your finances, same thing. If you're trying to get to the next level in your finances from a spiritual perspective without the right identification, you will not be allowed on that flight. Trying to get your life to a new place. You might be at the airport. You might be ready to go, but without the proper ID. You won't get anywhere. See, how we see ourselves may be stopping us from going where we want to go, where we need to go. How do you see yourself? How do you identify yourself? What's your name? There are a lot of things that we can blame, of course, you know, for why we aren't getting to where we need to go. You know, my parents messed me up. They said all kinds of bad things about me when I was little. They were really mean and creepy. Uh, you know, I, I just don't have enough money to really do what I think God is calling me to do. My spouse won't get into agreement with me. You know, if she would or he would just agree with me while we could do so much more for the kingdom of God. There's a lot of things. You know, the government is against me. If it wasn't for them, why, we could do a whole lot more. We can come up with all kinds of excuses. There are a lot of things that we could blame. But at the end of the day, listen, at the end of the day, we have authority over the devil. God is committed to work on our behalf, right? Though there may be resistance, there is nothing powerful enough to hold us back except ourselves. A couple of weeks ago, I used an example from Numbers 13. Let's go there to Numbers 13. You know the story of the Israelites, right? How they had gained their freedom from Egypt. God had, had great 
you know, miracles on their behalf and brings them to the border of their promised land and they send out spies to go in and look at the, the territory and come back with a report. And of course, 10 of them had a bad report. Well, let's actually read what they said in Numbers 13, 31. It says, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And then in verse 33, 1333, there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak come from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. As long as in your own sight you can't afford it, well then, you're right, you can't. As long as in your own sight you don't have time, well, you don't. You don't have time. If, if, if in your own sight it won't work, well, then that's true. It won't work. How we see our life, how we see our future in our own sight is what makes the actual final determination. Now, listen to me closely what I'm about to say, because it's going to be easy for you to misunderstand what I'm trying to get across here. And I don't want you to misunderstand. It really doesn't matter what God said. It surely doesn't matter what the devil said. It doesn't even matter what I say. It's what you see in your sight for your life that is deciding what you have. When I say it doesn't really matter what God said, God has said an awful lot of things, right? But how do you see your life? What do you see for your future? I don't mean what, what do you wish or what do you fantasize about. I mean, what do you really see through the eyes of faith? What do you really see through the eyes of faith? Based on the word of God, of course. Because in your sight... In your sight is your destiny. How do you see yourself? In your sight is your identity. And that's what's deciding where you go. They said, we're like grasshoppers in our own sight. They saw themselves as small and insignificant. They saw themselves as weak and powerless. They could not, in their sight, possess the land. Now, I want you to think about this. It's... it's, it's Quite remarkable when you hear what they had to say because these are the people who just saw God destroy the entire army of Egypt. In fact, the entire nation. I mean, there are the, 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 the soldiers of Egypt bobbing up and down like, like you know, dead wood on the water's surface while they're gathering up their weapons and their gold. They've seen miraculous things happen all the way until they get to the border. And now at this point... They don't seem to understand or care what God has done. Now it's all about how they see themselves. In the course of many years, as Christians, all of us have seen awesome miracles. All of us have seen or heard fantastic testimonies. Even your own life as a new believer is a miracle in itself. And it's all because of what God has done. God has done so much for us. We know what the Lord can do. But the truth is, how we see ourselves is more powerful 
than how we see God. How we see ourselves is more powerful than how we see God. We all know what God can do. I know God is awesome. I, I know he is, but you know, I'm, I'm kind of stupid. <laughs> I, I know God is wonderful, but I've never really been able to overcome whatever. We all know God is good. We all know God is great. We all know God can do anything. It's what about us? Our identity has to change. Our identity, how we see ourselves, is really what is deciding how we live the life that we live. And our identity is important. You know, there, there are many people that I've had the pleasure of knowing who, like me, got saved many, many years ago. Many of them are living pretty insignificant lives, and a good number of them are not even following Jesus anymore. Why? I mean, we were all going to the same church. We, we were all learning the same things. What's the difference? What's the difference? How come it went different for some and not for them? How come there are others who have grown in the Lord and, and grown in victory, but, but not them? I tell you, the vibrant, victorious Christians, of which I like to think I'm one, um, they decided to see themselves the way that God has portrayed them. They look at themselves from God's perspective instead of from the perspective of the world and the flesh. I am a new person in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. But you see, so, so many people get saved and they hang on to that old identity. Egypt was a type of the world. And though God had gotten Israel out of the world... They forgot to burn their old ID cards. They forgot to, to get rid of those and use the new identification, the new ID that was issued to them by the Lord and enter into that new life and to possess that promised land that God had offered. See, your ID from the world will not get you into the blessing of God. You've got to get a new ID card from the Lord. A new one. My new ID card probably has a, has a place for my name and my address and my height and my weight and the color of my eyes. And it's, you know, it's got a picture of my, my charming smile. I'm sure it has all of those things. But I tell you what, it also has a statement about who I am. The new me. What God has called me to be. I'm not just a person with a, a rural Kiwani address. I'm, I'm just that, but I'm also much more than that because of Christ. I'm more than just, you know, a brown haired, well, it's kind of silvery haired, <laughs> blue eyed, 175 pound Caucasian. I'm more than just a 66 year old man because you see, I'm much more than who I am in the flesh. You see the flesh. I'm much more than that. You are much more than what we see in the flesh. I am who God says I am. And my new card identifies me as a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That's an important bit of information. That is a very valuable identification card to have. And you've got it if you'll pay attention to it. The old ID that I had, it's invalid. It no longer applies. 
That old life is dead. It's gone. I've been raised to new life in Christ. And if you have come to Jesus, you have been raised as well to a new life in Jesus. We have what God says we have. Hallelujah. We can do what God says we can do. We have a renewed mind, renewed in knowledge. We are made righteous. We are healed. We are blessed with every heavenly blessing. How many of you would say, yay? Amen. We overcome every problem and we win in every circumstance because the Bible says, Jesus says, we are more than conquerors. We're living our dreams. We're fulfilling our destiny. Our life is success in Christ. That's the identity that you should be walking in. That's our new identity. The old identity of the flesh you can set aside. It's not necessary. It's not important anymore. We're not, we are needing to decide once uh, ourselves here that we're not going to also acknowledge the flesh in you. We're going to see you as Jesus Christ sees you. We're going to see you with that new identity that has been given to you. Every time you want to get on a flight to a new level in your life, come on, pull out that new ID. Every time you need to go to that next level in life in, in your marriage and that next level in life as a parent, you know, sometimes that's one of the hardest things to do is get to that next level as a parent. I mean, there's something about those kids that keep dragging us back. <laughs> but if you want to get there to that next level as a parent or, or that next level in your finances or that next level in your ministry or that next level really in, in any area of your life, check your ID and remind yourself, I am who God says I am. The world is always reminding us of who we are in the flesh. Always. Oh, by the way, be careful of, of those personality tests. You know what I'm talking about? I oftentimes get those at work. You know, fill this out. Or when you're applying for a job, fill this out. We want to know how you think and, and how you would fit into our... Anyway, and they'll come back with a nice long report about who you are and how you operate and what you think and what your capabilities are and all of that stuff. I, I actually did one of these things. I was managing a Christian radio station and somebody came in and wanted to sell me on this plan to use these kind of tests. And so I took the test myself and I had them evaluate it. And you're going to like this. The thing that I remember most about the results that came back from that test is they basically said I was a liar. <laughs> Why? And I asked. I said, well, I don't understand this. Because nobody was that honest. The way I answered it, it's like nobody's that honest. Everybody cheats a little bit. Everybody will take a little something. Everybody, you know, it's like I'm a Christian now. I don't operate that way. You know, I know everybody is not like that. So, you know, that test totally got me wrong. I mean, I had some parts right, but I wasn't a liar. I was telling the truth. And I do tell the truth. So don't, don't buy into everything that those personality tests say. They can be interesting, and sometimes they can actually be helpful, but they can also be a problem. Why? They can have a limiting effect on your life because those tests are based on the identities of the flesh. It's based on who you were. So be careful not to allow the identities of the flesh to control what you believe about yourself now. See, God can do things that will bring us to a new place 
that according to that test, we shouldn't be able to go to. According to that test, you don't have that capability. Because according to the word, not the test, but according to the word, you now can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Those limitations that it says you might have, it doesn't much matter in Christ. God will take you where he needs to take you. He'll give you whatever skill, whatever, whatever you need to get to that place. It doesn't matter if you have that natural ability. You know, we always get hung up on our natural abilities or the lack thereof. Well, that's not how we are accounting ourselves anymore, right? Don't be limited by what that high school counselor told you once. Don't be limited by those personality tests or even the DNA test or whatever the psychologist said or whatever your IQ test has said. Those things are fine. I wouldn't be afraid of them. I just don't think we ought to be limited by them. Don't be limited by them. God can do with us what he decides, regardless of what any kind of personality profile or ability test might show. Many of you, when a new challenge or an opportunity presents itself, you have a tendency to pull back that old ID card and you look at it and you go, oh, I'm sorry, I'm just not qualified for that. Why? Because somebody stamped you're not smart enough or you're not bold enough or you're not spiritual enough or you're not old enough or you're not young enough or whatever. You're not strong enough. Somebody might have said that to you. Somebody might have pegged you in that little spot. That is not who you are in Christ. Right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One, one of the problems I have with the typical uh, AA meetings is the very specific way that they have you introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Bill, and I'm an alcoholic. There's a difference between confessing your sin and identifying with your sin. Right? It's good to confess your sin, but you don't want to identify with your sin because, well, then you make it a part of your personality and your life. Some people have been sober for 15, 20, and, and even more years, and they're still confessing that they are an alcoholic. It's kind of funny. When, when people, like at my workplace, they invite me to go out with them, you know, to the bars and have a good time, and, and I say, well, I, I just don't even drink. Their first inclination, and they told me this afterwards, and when they've gotten enough boldness to ask, so, how long have you been an alcoholic? Because they, to them, especially in our Wisconsin culture, all they can figure, if you're not drinking, then it's because you have a problem. Well, you can't drink because it's a problem. I have never been a drinker in my entire whole life, even when I was unsaved. It just never appealed to me. I think the stuff tastes pretty raunchy, so why? You know, never, never occurred to me to, to even bother. I mean, well, I can get you into stories, but I won't. So, you know, it's just funny. They just think, well... Because you won't, you must be an alcoholic. No. That person who continues to confess, I am an alcoholic, long after they have been sober, long after they have been redeemed from that, I think they're making a mistake. I thought, I thought they'd become a new Christian, you know? I, yeah, but I'm, but I'm still an alcoholic. But I thought you were a new person in Christ, right? The old person has passed away. Now you're that new person. Well, 
I think that they need to leave that sin behind and quit confessing it, quit identifying themselves as that kind of sin and allow God to make the new person that they are evident to everybody around them. It's time for us to start walking in a new identity. I mean, when I just gave you that example, you can see how that works for the alcoholic, right? But what about the person who struggles with eating disorders? What about the person, you know, who says, well, it's, you know, it's my DNA, it's my hormones, it's, you know, that's just the way I am. Well, if you're identifying with the flesh, you'll believe that that disorder is a part of you. What about the person who's shy? That's just the way I am. What about the person who was born in poverty? We've always been poor. What about the person who is struggling with excessive guilt or, or struggling with depression? What about the person who has a bad temper? <laughs> you know, the Irish are a whole group of people that have a, have a bad attitude identity. You know, it's been kind of stuck on them. You've heard of the fighting Irish? Well... They have a national excuse for having a bad temper. If that's the way they want to identify it. And in fact, it seems like every group can use their race or their national traditions as some excuse for whatever behavioral problems they might be encountering. But I tell you what, as soon as we identify with a weakness or a negative problem, it becomes a part of our life. That's not an identity you want to hang on to. How do we deal with the sins and the problems of our past lifestyle? Well, let's take a look at Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20, a familiar scripture to us. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How do we deal with that old sin? We crucify it. I mean, come on, it deserves to die. Kill it. Kill it. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. So now we, we build a new person. We build a, a new identity in Christ with the knowledge that that old person is dead. See, I remember that person that was so self-centered and and full of sin, with little discipline in their lives, headed for a sad, lonely life. I remember that person, but in 1984, he passed away. He died on a Saturday morning, reading a book, an important book, sitting in a bent wood rocker in his basement family room. Later, we... We held a funeral at the home of a deacon of the church. It was a poolside service, backyard. <laughs> there, the pastor lowered that body into the waters of baptism, and, and we laid that old man there. Amen. Left him. But a new man was raised up to newness of life, a new creature, a, a new species of being, living a new life by faith in the Son of God. A new man. That's what needs to happen in our lives. We can't counsel this stuff away. 
You can't counsel away, counsel your way into a new life. You, you, you can't get there by therapy. It's not going to help you get that new life. You can't just grit your teeth and mind over matter our way into a new life. We've got to die. We've got to crucify that old person. We've got to bury them. We've got to leave them. The problem is too many people don't make a clear transition from that old life, that old person, to the new. And I'll admit, it's hard. It's, it, you know, you, it requires an awful lot of you to renew your mind. It requires a lot of you to walk in faith. It requires a lot of you to, to set aside everything that you've relied on and depended on and the excuses that you've always had in the past with the old you to start living the life that God has given you, that new life. And some people just won't let that dead man go. They keep dragging around that old carcass. We've got to let that old dead person go and see ourselves as a new creature, a new person, a new identity, a new name in Christ with a new father. You ever think about why did God give so many people in, a, in, a, in the scriptures a different name when it came time for them to enter into the plan that God had for their lives? A lot of people got a name change. I mean, literally, a name change. Abram became Abraham. Jacob became Israel. Simon became Peter. Saul became Paul. And we could go on. There's many others. God had to get them to see, I'm a new person. I'm a new person. It's a different day. I'm, I'm going to have a new dream. I'm going to have a new life. I've got to see myself a new way. And I tell you what, you need a new view of the new you. Claim your new ID. Claim that new identity. Colossians 3. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. He says that we should set our mind on things above. And that doesn't mean that we should sit around and try and figure out what is it going to look like when we get to heaven. <laughs> it's not what it means. It means Whatever we are doing, we do it with heaven's perspective. See, when we're with our, our spouses, we love them. Our husbands, when you're with your wives, love them as Christ loved the church. When we're at work, we're going to work as unto the Lord. Wherever we go, whatever we do, we're going to do it from heaven's perspective. That's what it means to set our, our minds on things above. And we begin to see ourselves as new people, new persons in Christ. Hallelujah. Verse 9, Colossians 3, verse 9, it says, Do not lie to one another, since you have, been, or have put off the old man with his deeds. So we're going to walk in reality. We're going to walk in, in, in a refreshing authenticity. Amen? Amen? Verse 10, And have put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. 
where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. Hallelujah. Put off the old man. Put on the new man. Well, but, you know, pastor, depression runs in my family. Not in your new family. Not in your new family. Alcoholism runs in my family. Not in your new family, it doesn't. Divorce runs in my family. That was, that was actually my testimony before I got saved. Divorce was in my family. I, my mom was married so many times and had so many boyfriends, I can't remember. And then I went through two divorces before I figured it out. Before I got saved and understood this is not the way this works. See, when I got to be a new person, that changed. No longer does, does divorce run in my family. It stopped. It's not going to run on to my, my children. Hallelujah. We need to be renewed in knowledge according to the image of Jesus. And I know it, it's easy for us to say amen to the scriptures here in church. But we have to live it out daily. And, and oftentimes in our daily life, we have a tendency to revert back to the flesh. And I don't mean necessarily just revert back to sin, but I mean we go back to thinking like the old man. Like we are that old person still. Like we still have to struggle with those old things. Christ has made us new. The old has gone away. Yeah, but well, that's, that's just the way I am. Well, which you? The old you or the new you? It's not the new you. The dead you is gone. Put off that old man. Put on the new. My last scripture tonight is in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. 1 John 4, 17. Love has been perfected among us in this. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. That's not talking about everybody in the world. That's talking about those who have made Christ their Lord and Savior. That's talking about those who have been born again. Who have been renewed. Who have a new life. Whose old man has passed away. And the new man now lives. It is in this world that we are as he is, not in the world to come, not, not when we get to heaven, right? It says, as he is, so are we in this world. So how is he? I tell you, he's blessed. <laughs> he's overcome death, hell, and the grave. He's healed. He's prospering. He's holy. He's pure. He has joy. He's, he's secure. That's how he is. As he is, so are we in this world. And you might be thinking, well, I'm really not that. Well, that's because you're still hanging on to that old identity. The new identity you have puts you on that standing with Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As he is, so are we. As he is, so am I in this world. Not when I get to heaven eventually. As I am right now. Praise God. 
Tell you, when those old habits and those, those old thoughts and those old identities start dragging me back to negative thinking and, and to negative behavior, I check my new ID. I remember my name and who my daddy is. What's your name? Who's your daddy? I believe that I am an entirely different person than I was before I was saved. And if you would encounter people who knew me back then, they would agree. I mean, not like I was a bad, evil person, you know. I wasn't, I didn't even drink. (laughs) I didn't smoke. I never swore. But I am an entirely different person than what I was back then because I have that new life in Christ. And, And the flesh and, and the limitations of the flesh no longer matter. That old man is gone. And now I'm going to live the new life, the life that I have in Christ. In fact, I'm, I'm born of God through Jesus Christ. Are you? Well, then say it with me. Say, I am born of God through Jesus Christ. I'm born of God through Jesus Christ. Say this, I'm a new person in Him. My old life is dead and gone. I'm raised up with Christ to live a new life. I have what God says I have. I can do what God says I can do. I'm renewed in my knowledge according to the image of Christ. I'm made righteous. I'm I'm blessed with everything that heaven has to offer. Hallelujah. (laughs) I'm healed. I believe all my needs are met. I overcome every problem and I win in every circumstance. For I am more than a conqueror. I am living my dream. I am fulfilling my destiny. I am a success in Jesus. Not that old man. The new man. The new man. And if that's you, believe it. And praise the Lord for it. I tell you, we are what God says we are. That's the identity that he has given us. He created us. He decided who we are. He decided what we are. We are what God's word says we are, if you'll believe it. Father, I thank you for all that you have done for us. And Lord, that the old us is no longer a hindrance. The old us is no longer preeminent, but it's the new life that you've given us. Old things have passed away. All things are new because of you. Not because of our effort, not because of our wisdom, not because of our skill and talent. It's all because of you. And we rely on you for the revelation of of all that you want for us. Lord, show us more clearly by your Spirit who we are because of Christ. Lord, show us what it is you have for us, what we are to do, how we are to live. Lord, make it so clear that, that we can't deny it. And Lord, inspire us to live to the level of new life that you have provided for us.
I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What is your name? We'll talk more about this, more of identity in the next couple of weeks. If we can get a hold of this, I tell you, it revolutionizes your life. It'll, it will change the way that you see every aspect and every person around you who is in Christ. And again, I, I encourage you to look at people around you, those in this room, those who have received Jesus Christ, look at them in a different way. Don't look at them just according to the flesh. Look at them according to what God has said about them and yourself. Amen? Let's continue with worship.